Well, you fools. Murder hornets are a real thing. Today on Mystery Cast, <laughs> today on Mystery Cast, I uh, do not live up to my promise of talking about tabloids that are true because as it would turn out, tabloids aren't true. Oh. So, <laughs> I scoured the internet. <laughs> Such a shocking revelation that we finally have arrived I, at. I scoured the internet and I could not find a single tabloid that actually turned out to be true. So what I did instead is I just went to find some uh, very interesting, fascinating true stories. And as usual, Listverse has, has come through for us. So welcome to this episode of the Mystery Cast right here on Tales of Earth, a show that we live stream every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash comic story. And if you want to support us, you can uh, sub and follow and all those amazing things over at Twitch. You can subscribe to uh, our YouTube channel at Tales of Earth. And if you uh, want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash comic And another form of support, which we appreciate, is you can buy some Tales of Earth merch through the link below. If, of course, if you're watching this like on, you know, YouTube and stuff. So all the <laughs> platforms eventually will be on Quibi. What's, you know, that new streaming service, Quibi? We oh, should go on, yeah, we yeah. should get on Quibi. I have not heard uh, of that one, actually. I'm actually yeah, better in 10-minute yeah. bites, so. <laughs> <laughs> short short uh, doses. Then stay tuned for our TikTok show. Uh, so <laughs> We're going to do Dan, some TikTok you, dances. I, I won't lie. I have been on TikTok. I have been on TikTok mostly because really? Twitter is incredibly violent towards anyone that disagrees with you. Reddit is all about murder hornets in general. TikTok, at yeah. least people are just having fun dancing. I'm like, you know what? I'll take it. Screw well, for it. now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> then we're gonna <laughs> get now. the the murder hornet challenge. How long can you last outside with a murder hornet? No, no, uh, the five, murder horn challenge is you have to try to lick a murder horn <laughs> and not die. <laughs> like Sounds that. like a terrible challenge. But you do it in support of some cause, right? Yeah, no, well, obviously. <laughs> no, it's just like the, uh, there was like a toilet seat challenge where there were oh, some yeah, influencers yeah, that. that licked toilet seats, like public toilet seat. And it was the most ridiculous thing ever. And one of the guys got COVID-19 and everyone's like, well, no, duh. Well, yeah, like, you're licking you toilet seats. If, if anything, you oh, got kind of lucky that that was the only thing you got. Man, I just want to make a difference in the world. I'm going to lick toilet seats. All right, so today we have 10 mind-bending UFO encounters from South Africa. Why South Africa? Well, why talk about the U.S.? Why talk about any country? So these are some fascinating <laughs> stories from South Africa. And I did read some of these, uh, and I did like preview the list, and these are really kind of creepy um so number 10 the mindalore incident not mandalore i love that series uh, oh yes the mindalore incident it's the smaller uh, version so, <laughs> yeah uh, my wife actually had an amazing idea so when people were talking about the mandalorian she's not a star wars fan she didn't know what people talk were she's talking dead about to me. so she actually <laughs> asked me she actually stopped me she's like please don't make fun of me for this she said but so this show the mandalorian everybody's talking about is it about the guy who made the Mandalorian car? <laughs> and I said, no, but that's brilliant. There should be a documentary series called The Man DeLorean. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That is yeah. amazing. So, Just like, so we're clear, me and your yes. wife are not like friends, but if we were friends, we're not friends anymore. We're not friends anymore. Okay. Good to know. But uh, I think she's uh, secretly like sitting on top of a gold mine there. <laughs> Uh, All right, so the Mendelore incident. Uh, just before midnight on January 3rd, 1979, uh, Megan Quetzit was about to make a cup of tea to help her 12-year-old son, Andre, to sleep. As she made her way toward the kitchen, she heard the family dog, uh, Cheeky, barking <laughs> excitedly outside. As she opened the door to see what the matter was, she caught sight of Cheeky heading out of the garden up the road toward a new uh, and unlit Link Road. Asking Andre to come with her, they followed their dog, worried that his barks would annoy the neighbors. As they arrived at the Link Road, each could see a glowing pink light. As they went closer, could see that this light was encasing a gray metallic craft that was descending. As it settled on the ground, four, quote, spider-like legs stretched out and touched the ground, supporting the weight of the egg-shaped object. Six humanoids emerged from the craft and inspected the surroundings. Two of them noticed Megan and Andre walking over and greeting them in a language unknown to the pair. Although she initially felt no fear, Megan suddenly had an uneasy feeling come over her. She began to back away when, in what seemed like less than a second, 
all of the crew were suddenly back inside the craft and the door from which they had emerged was closing. A buzzing noise, like a hive of bees, this is probably where oh the murder God. bees... Oh, God, is this happened. where they came from? <laughs> yep, uh, sounded Space. out before the craft shot into the air, becoming nothing more than a distant pink light in a matter of seconds. Megan would report the incident the following day, and investigators found a corroborating account from an unnamed husband and wife who were diving along a nearby road, driving along a nearby road at the same time when they saw an oval-shaped craft with legs. Uh, so the the sudden re-entry of the humanoid figures into the ship uh, really conjured a funny image for me. I would love to see an extraterrestrial step out of a ship. Uh, and then upon seeing, like humans, just like yell out the F word and run back in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Like, oh. They're like, they're just like, oh, crap. They're still here. The murder hornets haven't worked yet. They no, no, no. <laughs> haven't worked yet. <laughs> Um, oh my goodness didn't we send yeah. down like some viruses and murder hornets <laughs> to take care of these things uh yeah. well fred yeah. missed with the asteroid so oh man <laughs> who let fred drive the asteroid <laughs> okay that's uh, for the record i yes that seems very significant for us to have not heard it on some of our other ufo stories right well it's true I, think I feel like I'll... we would have hit this one already True. Now, the number of UFO stories is pretty much endless, but also I think a lot of our lists tend to favor like North America. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Like Western Europe, which I, which is why I was really intrigued by the story because like, just because it's not pertinent to our geography, Mm -hmm. you know, doesn't mean they're not, doesn't mean they're not fascinating or true or anything. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. And let's be honest, if they can fly in space, they can definitely move to a different continent. If something no. ever happened, like no. it's just like a if that was actual aliens, because I I like that this one's in 1979 though. Like this is a lot yes. more recent of a sighting because a lot of the ones we got before were I want to say like in the 50s or 60s. Yeah, well, back or in 1954 on a farm in the middle of Wyoming, exactly you know, kind and of stuff. Yeah, like the fact that there was also an complete unrelated party that saw it as well. That's this is I like this one. This one's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it's good. And it doesn't sound like this mother and son had any reason to make up a story like this. Like, Yeah. Like, why would you make something like that up? And it's very interesting that her description is that she didn't feel any fear. And then the moment she felt any kind of uneasiness, they were basically gone. Right. Yeah. It's almost you know, like, like it there's been... a memory erase kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, number nine, the smoking man in white, and I'm not the only person who has thought of the X Files. I'm sure in reading that. Uh, what is surely one of the most bizarre encounters in UFO history occurred in Ruse Boom early in the morning on August 21st, 1972, when Doris uh, Motwa and her 12-year-old daughter made a report of, of a strange sighting. As they were drawing water from the river, Doris noticed what looked like a man in a white suit who was smoking a cigarette. As she looked a little longer, she noticed a strange blue-pink light, again, another pink light, coming out of the man's chest. Furthermore, the smoke grew and grew until it was like a big fire. Both amazed by the scene unfolding before them, the mother and daughter watched as the figure then began to rise from the ground. Doris would later estimate the man to be around 335 centimeters or 11 feet tall. And after steadily hovering above the ground, he shot into the sky, vanishing in an instant. The pair reported feeling a sensation akin to uh, receiving an electric shock run throughout their bodies during the encounter. Uh, leading investigators to suggest some kind of electronic wave technology. Interestingly, less than a week previously on August 16th in the same area, Elias Kosha reported seeing a monster with small flames burning around his feet. It too would speed away in a flash of flames and smoke. Hmm. That's... Yeah. That, that sounds like a, a that that sounds like what we were talking about earlier of an alien showed up and was like, oh crap, they're still here. Uh, see ya! And then just runs off. I've been spotted. I'm out. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. That's I. I these are cool. These ones sound a lot. I, I mean, as ironic, it They're sounds a lot more realistic feel like, or interesting than these other yes. ones. You know, in in generally like North America, the best UFO stories we have are like I saw a light. Right. I done did <laughs> was abducted by the aliens, and. <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> like that Sorry, farmer who, who that farmer who claimed that they uh, forced him to like mate or something. <laughs> yeah, right, something right, right. like that. They, they uh, needed so. me for my <laughs> sexual prowess. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so eight <laughs> abduction by telepathic <laughs> robots. Again, okay, now we're getting into the kind that we see in North America. <laughs> yes. In late 1972, man, these stories, a woman who preferred to withhold her name was subject to a bizarre abduction experience. While lying on her bed one evening, she suddenly heard what sounded like a low-flying helicopter outside her home. As the sound persisted, she began to feel a rattle around the house before a whirlwind sensation enveloped her. In a moment, and with no memory of how she got there, she found herself in a strange room with several robotic-looking beings surrounding her. They were performing various tests and examinations, and all the while they spoke to her using telepathy. She didn't understand the nature of the tests, but she experienced no pain during them and was not frightened at any stage. She was returned to her room shortly after. Perhaps more bizarre and certainly something to provide ammunition for skeptics were the subsequent claims she would make of one of the robot aliens visiting her again shortly after, claiming they had left a piece of equipment in her leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's our bad. Our bad. Um, we actually left yeah. the, the flusoflarg uh, in your leg. <laughs> Apparently the aliens yeah. are from Dr. Seuss in my Yes, mind. yes. The flusoflarg. Ah, That's the English the- interpretation. Yep. I left the I left the Glorpin tweezers in her. <laughs> I dropped it. Uh, and I forgot to grab it on the way out. We we're having such a good a telepathic conversation. Well, it seems like yeah. something. There's there's a theme here that unites humanity and extraterrestrials, and that is leaving foreign elements in a person after surgery, yeah, which happens all is the time. A real thing that happens. They do it too. So we got some common ground. Um, uh, these. What I really find. Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, what I was going to say is what I find no, no, interesting. This is this is a really interesting concept because if they are ro- like robotics, a uh, very advanced AI of some kind, um, then it would make sense that a super advanced alien race would actually send AI like AI robots to the to the Earth to run experiments and to kind of do the dirty work for them. Right, instead right. of going themselves. Right, instead of going themselves. And mm. if they're sufficiently advanced enough, they probably could figure out a way to communicate telepathically um, mm-hmm. and not always verbally. Um, and they'd find a way to manipulate your brain in a way that makes you not afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like, because I can imagine if you're thinking clearly, being abducted by uh, artificial intelligence is probably not... Uh, a very comforting experience. Right. So. Probably have some sort of pheromones or something like that to yes. entice. But uh, no, I say, the first off when the like the AI, it reminds me of the AI robot from uh, the robotic race from the Orville. Yes. Like this yeah, one yeah, yeah, reminds yeah. me mm-hmm. very much of those, especially in the way that they drew them. But uh, these ones are the, so the people like left their house and they went somewhere and they saw something and then like other people saw it as well. Those mm-hmm. ones I I look at I'm like of on the believable scale this is more towards right. the believable. The ones where mm-hmm. people get abducted in like at night while they were asleep so right. much I'm like okay was this like a a dream, a sleep paralysis mm-hmm. thing where you were like imagining this like the the at home ones are a lot more skeptical because there is no proof and like people have very creative imaginations. Well, sure. and there's actually a new theory. Um, I don't know how new it is. It's new to me uh, that suggests that these kind of sleep paralysis at home abduction stories are actually your brain accessing your earliest memories of childbirth. Basically, when you're at that age, yeah. 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 So these highly, highly suppressed memories are basically, your memories are going to be based on your perception at the time. Yeah. And so when you're being born, all you know is I can't move. I'm like, there's this bright light. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, They're poking and prodding me. I don't know what's going on. And then you wake up from it. So that's one theory is that you're actually accessing those incredibly repressed memories and not everybody necessarily has those repressed memories. So right. that's one. Yeah. That's one theory. That's interesting. I um, like that. Cause that sounds actually very possible, especially with right. the way that people describe them as on a, like 
surrounding them looking down and like if you imagine newborn babies in the nursery yes. people surround them and look down upon them and i could that's actually really cool and as a baby you don't know what humans look like yeah so they're these strange right, yeah, like yeah. like your eyes aren't fully developed right. like heads. it's just blurry and Exactly. Huh. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's a fascinating theory and I think it has, carries a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. You're right, Dan. When you have multiple eyewitnesses who are not communicating, corroborating the same story right, to yeah. the police, yeah, then I think you have something. Definitely. Uh, all right. Number seven, Rosemead Junior School Incident. Uh, as he was driving along a quiet road in the equally quiet and small town of Rosemead on the evening of November 12th, 1972, again, All of these are in Harold Truder noticed... Say, apparently, aliens were real big in the 70s. <laughs> That's yeah. actually the real reason <laughs> drugs was very popular in the 70s, no. where people were like, oh, God, not the aliens again. Again? At least uh, it's Harold not Truder the murder hornets. <laughs> uh, true... <laughs> You know, in the future, the murder hornets are going to be a part of our, like, uh, weather forecasts. Right. Yep. <laughs> so. yep. And make sure well, you got your blinds cloudy with uh, small packs of murder hornets moving along. <laughs> <laughs> Their eastern oh, migration man. has occurred. And yeah. In the Midwest. So, but so has their north, south, and east migration. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, we're all screwed. <laughs> Basically. Uh, all right, uh, let's see here. Harold Truder noticed a strange green glow over the tennis courts of Rosemead uh, Junior School, of which he was principal. He headed toward the complex and pulled his car up to the school gates. He ventured into the grounds on foot. The lights were still visible, but there was a thick, unusual silence settled over the area. Truder at least uh, expected to hear some kind of engine noise cutting through the night air. He did begin to pick up the scent of burned oil. However, smell, uh, however a smell that grew stronger the nearer he got to the tennis courts. As he peered through the chain-link fence, the green light now faded somewhat. He was shocked to see the asphalt burned and cracked. There was even a pool of molten tar, which reflected the moonlight. Also present were several strange holes, as if something heavy had been resting on the asphalt when it sank slightly as it melted. Truder would contact the local police, who would arrive to take an official report and a statement from the principal. An explanation was never forthcoming from the police, but they did not. But they did inform. Uh, Truder, while taking his statement that several other UFO sightings had been reported by Rosemead residents that evening. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I won't lie. That one this... sounds more like uh, like a bunch of kids like testing out fireworks and then it going a little out of control and people being like, oh, crap. And then like just Possibly. running away. I mean, what fireworks could melt right. tar, though? Yes. A and malfunctioning. Not make a sound. Oh, I didn't see the yeah, not making no sound. sound. Oh, there was okay. no sound. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I understand if there was an explosion or something like right. that. Right. But yeah. Because like if it was yeah, a was firework no that never shot into the sky and exploded like on the ground, I could see that melting because there's. Uh, that, I mean, that right. wouldn't melt. That wouldn't be enough to. It would be. It would probably crack it. Maybe if it was powerful enough, it wouldn't be enough to melt it. No. No explosions. Uh, even firecrackers aren't that hot. Not even the right. like Roman candles. If it was like held no, upside down, no way the they ground. would be hot enough to burn right. tar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. That's in, in the multiple residents. Small and, details that what the the, the multiple residents like that evening. That that part definitely yes. raises an eyebrow. Yeah, and what I find fascinating are some of these small details in these stories that uh, may or may not make sense given the kind of technology we're talking about. You know, he said that there's there was a, a strange silence. You know, mm -hmm. there's nothing saying that an alien technology uh, couldn't have one of those side effects. You know, like when the engine is running because it works in such a way that it actually like disrupts sound or something of mm -hmm. that sort. You know, because or it's a hybrid. Alien... I mean, you never know. Yeah, or a hybrid. <laughs> it was just silent. Like he turned it on. I didn't even hear anything. Um, yeah, I'm just saying like with My spaceship with... is a Prius. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's with, too uh, silent. It to with the deadly Prius. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. All right. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. What? It's from Futurama. Actually, that works so oh, okay. well because it's when they're in the hive of murder bees. And they oh, go, nice. it's silent. And he's like, ah, yes, like the deadly Prius. Oh, no, we're going to get murder Priuses yep. after the Hornets. After the Hornets. <laughs> yep. Um, 
what is uh, the name of the the animator and director for Simpsons? Uh, Matt Groening is someday going to come out and tell us that he actually is from the future and has been warning just us. Just literally <laughs> just trying to warn everyone. Uh, oh, God. All right. Number six, the Peter and Francis, 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 um, McNorman abduction. In May 1974, all oh, these are from, from the early 70s. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like this author just looked oh. at a list of stories from the 70s. Don't worry. The next one definitely isn't from 1970s. Uh, in May 1974, married couple Peter and Francis McNorman uh, would set off on their journey from uh, Salisbury, uh Rhodesia, now Harar, Zimbabwe, to Bait Bridge at the border with, with South Africa. They would drive through the night with parts of the road being twisty and hard to negoti- negotiate. I mean, navigate. Uh, it was around 2.30 a.m. when France, Francis, I, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it, uh, noticed a strange light behind them. She informed her husband, who saw it too, to begin, uh, it began to come closer, and soon it was level with them on their left and moved alongside for some time. There are a lot of stories or strange alien craft move alongside a car. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Or uh, uh, or cryptids, like Mothman. Or mm. cryptids, yes. Just running along the side of the car. Yeah. Um, uh, Peter suddenly realizing he was traveling in excess of 145 kilometers per hour or 90 miles per hour, eased his foot off the gas. The car, however, I can imagine uh, it's pretty easy to speed unknowingly when a UFO is trying to race Oh, 100%. You. <laughs> like, I mean, you don't let, realize how fast you're driving. How do, how do you explain that to the cop who pulled you over, though? Right, right. Well, <laughs> officer, exactly. uh, I would not normally be speeding. However, um, a, a UFO was racing me, and I didn't want to seem like a bitch. <laughs> I had to assert that my would be dominance. Your explanation, for... Andy. <laughs> Andy would be like, you know what? I wanted to make sure they knew who was in charge, so you know, I had yeah. to rev the engine, just yeah. shoot a couple times. Yeah. No big deal. Yes, because a sedan from the 1970s is going <laughs> to outpace a uh, spaceship. Yeah. Well, you don't know. I know what kind true. of speed it has. <laughs> it hit me a DeLorean continue- and it started going 88 miles, and then like time travel before the UFO. I mean, you never know. That's why they lost know. track of time. Sorry. <laughs> the car, however, continued at the same speed. He tried the brake and nothing happened. That's terrifying. He wasn't in control of the vehicle. The next thing they knew, they were approaching the South African border. As they had their details checked, they noticed the clocks at the border read 8.30 a.m. Each checked the car uh, clock as well as their watches, which clearly read 7.30 a.m. As well as this apparent missing hour, neither had a clear memory of the journey home, and what little they could recall was of driving on a long straight road. Remember that the route was full of twisting roads. Even stranger was that their vehicle still had a full tank of gas despite their apparent 320 plus kilometers or 200 plus mile journey. Strangest of all, however, were the four brand new tires which neither recalled purchasing or fitting. What? What? So the aliens were like, what you gotta do is you gotta rotate these tires otherwise you're gonna get terrible gas mileage. (laughs) Basically, it's their their own roadside assistance, I guess. Right. I yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. Or they borrowed the car, and they're like, "Well, when y- you got to give something back to somebody in better condition than you found." Yeah, yeah. So, so right. top off tires the gas. for it, give it a full tank of gas. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> Peter would eventually undergo hypnotic regression, and the revelations were as intriguing as they were outlandish. Shortly after the light appeared, a large-headed alien beamed into the back seat of the car because that wouldn't <laughs> cause an accident. He's like, "What's up? How you doing? <laughs> uh, Yo, <laughs> <laughs> I need directions." Uh, Listen, we're a little lost. What planet are we on? (laughs) The vehicle was caught in a strange tractor beam and was lifted from the ground and landed inside a huge ship above. Peter was taken to a sick bay where he was examined for several moments. Even stranger, he claimed to see his wife and other people on board, although they appeared to be in a trance. Incidentally, he caught sight of his vehicle parked in between two smaller discs with four aliens performing repairs on the engine. Why would they be repairing his car? Because they put in listening devices. Yeah. Maybe. Not only only repairing the car, but it seems like they're getting like a medical checkup. Right. So they're just. It's it's sort of like intergalactic AAA. Yeah. Yeah. And they just got the wrong planet. also does medical. (laughs) Yeah. They got the wrong planet. There's a guy still broken down on Mars. (laughs) Just pissed off. They got the wrong planet. (laughs) 
Oh man, that is one of the most interesting stories interesting. on abduction I've ever heard. All right. Number five, heart-shaped craft over Pretoria. In late July 2010, oh, finally, uh, yeah. on two successive nights, multiple residents in the Boysons area of Pretoria witnessed strange lights hanging in the skies above them for several hours at a time. One witness, uh, Angela, Angela Van Der Spuey, witnessed both of the sightings and started uh, to and stated to the media that she couldn't make out the shape of the object because the three lights were too bright, but that it appeared to have a heart shape. The lights of the UFO were a variety of colors, including orange, pink, blue, and emerald green, while a big white light on the underside of the object shone directly downward to the ground. A neighbor of Van Der Spuey uh, attempted to uh, view the craft through his binoculars, but like Angela, he would state that the lights were too bright to make out any details, but the object had a very definite shape. One each, uh, on each occasion, the object would hover in the air motionless for over two hours and then proceed to calmly head away from the city, disappearing over the horizon. Even the times of its appearance and departure were the same on each evening. The object would arrive around 6.30 p.m. and leave the area a little after 8.30 p.m. They really like half hours. Right. Uh, incidentally, authorities contacted both South African Air Force and the Johannesburg Planetarium uh, in an attempt to shed a little light on the strange sightings. Neither, however, could offer any corroborating data or an explanation. That one, considering okay. how recent, sounds like it could be a, like a initial test of a drone. Oh, sure. Yeah, something like oh, like yeah, being definitely. in 2010. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I actually remember, I think... There are many governments in the world who are working on top secret aircraft. Why wouldn't they? I mean, if you can, do it. And there are all kinds of strange technologies that seem futuristic to us uh, that are in development. You know, right. there are even technologies that they've actually declassified, or at least technologies that we that are just common knowledge to the public. Like uh, cloaking devices are now common knowledge to the public. There's a way to right. bend light through fiber optics to create like a cloaking a cloak sheet of some kind mm. um you know we also know of like vanta black that absorbs you know 99.98 percent right. of light and there are all kinds of technologies that are just so wild and so out there that we know of i can't even imagine what's actually been developed in secret right and so right yeah, yeah. um there's nothing saying that yeah these aren't just government craft of some kind yeah you know being tested uh, because I actually remember driving down the highway. Um, I, I got off the exit off of I-25 here in Colorado, and I looked up, and there was a normal helicopter, but it kept switching between tan and black. Like, the entire color of the helicopter kept switching. Just tan, black, tan, black, tan, black. And I thought, okay, are there, there were no clouds, so it wasn't like shadow being cast by a cloud. And, uh, and it just, yeah, I just kept watching this thing, and it just kept going tan, black, tan, black the whole helicopter and i just thought it was so strange and so i asked my brother about it who was uh, in the military for a long time i said you know is there any chance at all that you even heard of this kind of technology you know this mm -hmm. color shifting paint or whatever and he had he had no idea but uh yeah i mean i've seen some pretty strange things with, with right. my own eyes too so Say, and that that kind of thing like could also be explained with like uh like those images where you look from one side and it's one thing and then it like you go mm -hmm. to the other side and it's a different thing because that would right. all like imagine that kind of camouflage if multiple people saw it as black and a different one as tan you may call it in as multiple vehicles where it's more of a strategy to send just one thing in and have a diversion for people to like chase a ghost mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah yeah basically that's a very interesting and someone else is like, I saw a tan one. And they're like, oh, that's weird. And then the internet argues about it for eight weeks. Oh, and they're yes, like, definitely. It's white and yellow. No, it's blue and black. It's, it's all, yeah. Do you remember that it's dress? to distract. <laughs> that's, what I'm, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, if you actually upload those images to a color checking website that can actually give you the objective color of the image, you can really? destroy those arguments. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Do you know? I think it was blue and black. Actually, it was. Wow. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, there the are programs that will tell you the actual color. Right. Um, 
And it's funny because when it gives you the, like the little swatches of color with the code, it's it doesn't match the image I see. Huh. It's amazing. Um, That's crazy. All right. So number four, triangular craft over Pretoria. Almost 20 years earlier on April 7th, 1991, came a uh, sighting of a triangular craft again in Pretoria, this time in the, oh man, Bavian Sport <laughs> region of the city. The event was witnessed early in the evening by an entire family. I like that we actually have a photo of this. The object, which featured white star-like lights on each extremity, as well as a red light in the middle, hung silently overhead. Sightings of a similar craft were reported on consecutive evenings on April 8th and 9th in the nearby township of Eurstrist. Uh, uh, what is particularly... Uh, what's that? I said totally, yeah. Right. <laughs> what is particularly interesting... Eustorist. What is particularly interesting about these sightings is how much they resemble sightings of similar UFOs. Example pictured above. Oh, that's an example. Mm. Uh, over Belgium and previous, uh, the previous year. Famously known as the Belgian UFO wave, uh, the encounters over Belgium featured some of the most intense investigating in recent times, as well as unprecedented cooperation from the Belgian government and military. Interesting. Why would they I mean, be so cooperative? It sounds mm. They're just as suspicious. worried as they as the citizens are. <laughs> Either that or they're the the classic uh it's kind of like Dexter where he was working with the cops and would steer them away from himself. Right, exactly. Yeah. But this, uh that would be very one, unsettling to approach someone high some high-ranking official in the government, tell them right. you saw a UFO and then watch them freak out. <laughs> right. They're like, "Oh, let's 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 deal with that right now. Let's uh, I'm calling the army." <laughs> What? <laughs> oh no! Being near the uh, uh, the previous one, though, it sounds like mm -hmm. it could be a like a evolution of the triangular craft of a more sharp object to go aerodynamic, curve the edges, and people could potentially see it as heart shaped. Sure. Considering it was twenty years prior, is it almost. You mean it's like, months you mean it's like a top secret government? Like uh, related to the previous one. The oh, yeah, one yeah. in 2010, the heart-shaped craft. Uh, yes. Because it was, it was trying... in the same area or the, yeah, yeah. same area. But still, ooh. Uh, number three, radar confirms UFO presence. Another report of a strange glowing craft over Pretoria comes from August 28th, 1996. And on this occasion, radar operators in Johannesburg would confirm the anomaly. The initial sighting was made by police officer, Sergeant uh, Johan Becker, who stated he saw a light floating in the air over the Adrian Vlock police station. Upon closer inspection with a colleague, they realized they were looking at something from another world. According to Becker, the object was distinctly disc-shaped with a red triangular light, which glowed slightly. The object remained overhead for about 90 minutes. That is a long time. Oh, yeah. During which the time, Becker authorized a police helicopter to take off and investigate. Uh, Fred Vion was the pilot. He would tell the media following the incident that he first thought the whole thing was a joke. But as he came upon the glowing disc, he realized this was something he had never experienced before. The craft suddenly moved off as the helicopter approached, and although Vuen would attempt to give chase, the uh, uh, I shall give chase to this object. <laughs> I the, just did. Uh, no big deal. I'll just give chase. It was, one, it was once again, they're like, I can go faster. <laughs> I can yeah, go yeah, faster. Can go <laughs> Every time we go down there, those humans just want to race us. <laughs> um, the object was too fast, and the helicopter, despite going full speed, struggled to keep up. Eventually, they were forced to return to base due to low fuel levels. Wow. So he chased it for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are absolutely fascinating. Interesting. Like but I can imagine uh, being one of these police officers and sending out a helicopter and, you know, Right. I don't, know. I, I don't know what I honestly I don't know what I do. I bet that guy was probably like, okay, we'll send in a helicopter. Please find something. I don't want to be that guy known as sending in a helicopter to find a UFO. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when there's nothing. It's a street It'll look light. Bad. <laughs> it's a weather balloon. Ah, oh, crap. I was I oh, was geez, standing... this time it really was a weather balloon. <laughs> I was uh, just standing there staring at this light and it was just there. It didn't move or blink at all. <laughs> Turns out it was a street light. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. 
But yeah, I can imagine like the whole time he's hoping, like, right. please be something, please be something, please be something. <laughs> please don't be a hoax. Please don't be a hoax. Please don't be a hoax. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. U- uh, number two, UFO spotted over uh, Soselberg. The evening of November 18th, 1993 was a very strange one for the residents of Soselberg. As multiple witnesses looked on in awe, a water droplet shaped craft Aww. Aww. <laughs> <Sorry>. headed. <laughs> no, that's what they say when they see the heart shaped uh, that's right, yeah. UFO. Aww. Aww, they love us uh, <laughs> as they send down murder hornets. Um, uh, as multiple witnesses looked down in awe, a water droplet shaped craft headed in the town's direction. It would hover overhead for several moments before suddenly vanishing in a great flash of light. They should give chase. Before people could gather their thoughts, only minutes later, the same object was back overhead. This time, it appeared to change both shape to a cigar shape and color from yellow to orange and back. Before returning to its original form and hanging motionless in the sky once again, stranger still, a blue beam would project directly downward and then cut out without an incident without incident uh, once more in a sudden flash the object vanished from sight they were probably retrieving a surgical instrument from somebody's <laughs> leg probably they had accidentally Man, we left. left that in there again uh, <laughs> not good at this sort of thing just not good at it we really need to take jim out of the surgery room <laughs> <laughs> so intergalactic travel we're awesome yeah. uh, roadside assistance got yep. it surgery good. no yeah. Our medical care still needs some work. <laughs> we could create a sentient telepathic AI robots, but we can't remember to take out the scalpel after to performing surgery. <laughs> and why we're still using scalpels, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we could fly through space, but we really need sharp metal for everything else. <laughs> for surgery. Two months later, strange imprints were found on farmland in a nearby town. Although uh, it is only speculation, it was noted this could have been a landing spot for the UFO witnessed over Soselberg uh, that November evening. Uh, Number one, the orange lights of 2011. Although the majority of them came in May, much of 2011 was subject to sightings of strange orange lights throughout all of South Africa. Uh, one report from uh, Cheerport, for example, would speak of 20 orange lights speeding through the sky above. Another resident of Cheerport, Charlotte Grubb, claimed she saw a group of around seven orange lights passing overhead. A Krugersdorp resident, Bernadette Opperman, would report a single orange light flying over the city in the evening of May 21st. Several reports from the Warrington region would speak of orange lights zipping through the sky and into what appeared to be a huge mothership. Explanations were offered that the orange lights were nothing more than meteor showers, of course. While UFO sure. researchers accepted that this was very uh, that this very well may account for a good portion of the sightings, other reports that detailed strange movements were not at all in line with how meteors or comets behave. The wave of sightings is still collectively unexplained. I, too, have seen an orange light twice in my life, actually. Uh, all right, the green lights of Cape Town. In November 2015, bizarre sightings of green lights uh, piercing the skies over Cape Town set uh, social media alight, with many residents capturing their sightings on film, either with a picture or video footage. Uh, the South African Astronomical Observatory rather ambiguously offered that the anomaly was a test for uh, test for light show equipment at the sports stadium in Cape Town. However, when asked for comment on the assertion, stadium officials stated they were unaware of any light equipment tests. And then, just as ambiguously as the observatory, they offered uh, that the lights were probably some sort of marketing campaign, but that they didn't know anything about it. So the observatory is just a cover story. You really need to like everybody needs to come up with the same cover story. Right. Exactly. Perhaps understandably, given the wishy-washy nature of those responses, witnesses and those with an interest in such things took the Internet to discuss their sightings, as well as those over Cape Town. Other sightings of the same green lights were reported in Johannesburg and Durban. While some users suggest that the green lights were portals to other dimensions, as they usually are. Yeah. One user stated, please let it be aliens, but nice aliens. <laughs> I'm glad they clarified because, yeah, yeah, I mean, we don't want like aliens from like the aliens movies. That would be bad. That, that would yeah, be we bad. We want aliens bad. from like Star Trek and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or the Orville where they have a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That'll work too. Um, yeah. Interesting. So 
that actually filled up our time pretty well. Yep. Um, there, let's see here. Where was it? There, I was looking at some other stories, like true stories, that are just strange, like just very, very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, like this one. Okay, this is. I'm just going to list a couple of these that I found really fascinating. This list is top 15 bizarre true stories. We don't have enough time to go through all 15, uh, but this one is really interesting to me. It's number seven. Helpful voices. While on holiday, a woman referred to by the British Medical Journal in 1987 as A.B. heard two voices in her head telling her to return home immediately. Back in London, the voices gave her an address that turned out to be a hospital's brain scan department. The voices told her to ask for a scan as she had a brain tumor uh, and her brain stem was inflamed. Though she had no symptoms, a scan was eventually arranged and she did indeed have a tumor. After an operation, A.B. heard the voices again uh, say, and I quote, We are pleased to have helped you. They said, goodbye. A.B. made a full recovery. That's uh, one crazy woman. I will. Oh, I mean. You know, things like this, it's, it's actually kind of interesting because there's a very high chance that mm-hmm. this person is not religious. Because I feel like if this happened right. to a religious person, it would be like divine they intervention. They would have just been like, God told me to go get a brain Exactly. Scan. And it's kind of, it's kind of yeah, interesting yeah. that uh, mm-hmm. like that kind of belief really can have different effects on these. And also raises the question of how many more of these things have happened that we haven't heard about because people believe it was some sort of right, it like was religious phenomenon. God talking to them. Yeah. Or right. Right. Space chicken. Space fly, flying spaghetti Space monster. Chicken. Yeah. Space flying spaghetti monster. Yeah. yeah. As you do. I just, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because they were so specific. They gave her the address. That That is very interesting because that's not one, like if you like somehow knew yourself from, right. like subconsciously you felt pressure. So what? who freaking knows? Uh, but like right. a direct address that you've never been to before and it just happens to be exactly the scan. That's very interesting. Yeah. Also, who I was not aware that different on. departments had different addresses. I kind of thought the whole building had an address, but you know, I guess, I guess that's not who the knows? case. Uh, this one I also found uh, very interesting. Uh, this is more of a natural phenomena that has not been explained. Uh, La Mancha Negro, a hazard unique to Venezuelan highways, is a slippery goo called La Mancha Negra, the black stain. Although it is more of a sludge with the consistency of chewing gum, uh, although the government has spent millions of dollars. Oh my goodness. Is it hailing where you are, Andy? No, that was uh dogs was saying, cl- that was that? dogs claws on the floor above. Oh, okay. Oh. That sounded scary. really You're creepy right. for a second. It's blowing away. What's going on? Go back upstairs, baby. <laughs> Love you. Okay. Uh, 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 Although the government has spent millions of dollars in research, no one knows what the goo is and where it comes from or how to get rid of it. It it first appeared in 1987 on the road from uh, Caracas to the airport, covering 50 yards, and spread inexorably every year. By 1992, it was a major road hazard all around the capital, and it was claimed 1,800 motorists had died after losing control. The problem remains to this day. Oh, interesting. I want to look up what this looks like. I'm surprised that they didn't uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. put it in Just there. Just a very strange goo on the roads that nobody can explain. Nobody knows where it's coming from, and they can't get rid of it. Also, they spelt it wrong. It's negra, not negro. Well, in the title, they they spelled it wrong. Yeah. And in, in the actual article, it was, yeah. Gotta love that spell check. Yeah, that's um, weird. For the record, though, you, you, I feel like you have to go into what's number one on this because the title itself, I didn't read the whole thing, but the title is kind of hilarious, and I want to hear what it says. On number one? Yeah, on the list. <laughs> Look at what it is. Boy turns into a yam. Dan, do you want to read that one for us? Sure. You seem very fascinated by it. I go mean, ahead. it's it's just such a, on the thing of bizarre true stories, a boy turns into a yam. Yes. All right, so three pupils at the evangelist, or evangelist Primary School in the northern Nigerian town of Maiduguru 
Maiduguri uh, rushed into the headmistress's office in March 2000 and said that a fellow pupil had been transformed into a yam after accepting a suite from a stranger. The headmistress found the root tuber and uh, took it to the police station for safekeeping. Following local radio reports, hundreds of people flocked to see the, the yam and police were hunting for the sweet giver. What happened next failed to reach the media. <laughs> that That is just so... Uh, a yam? What? Well, let's let's go back real quick. So three pupils, right, okay. from the school, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, rushed to the headmistress' office in March 2000 and right. told her that a fellow pupil had been transformed into a yam. Okay, so mm-hmm. that means that the headmistress would have had to know who the pupil was. Yes. Right. Right. This yep. pupil would have had family. Why yep. did nobody else come forward and been like, "Yeah, this my son yeah. was turned into," or like? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. how do you how do you back that Nobody story up? Does the kid not come back to school? That honestly, that just... sounds more like a kidnapping that some kids believed he turned into a yam. Because sweets or from a stranger. These kids were dumb as hell. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the biggest prank of all time. It's like, oh, they turned Gary into a yam. And then the next day we see Gary and he's like, well, I got better. (laughs) (laughs) She turned me into a a newt. (laughs) I got better. Oh, goodness. I can't find a picture of that yam. But then again, I don't know because it's a yam. And uh, it's not very much. I was going to say, how do you know? Maybe all yams are actually children. (laughs) That. I think so. I like it. Uh, I do find this one. So I'm going to read one more. Uh, this one, number four, is note case from the sky. I like this one just because it's lighthearted and just okay. honestly just a mystery. In October 1975, everything happens in the 70s, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Lynn Connolly was hanging washing in her garden in the quadrant hall when she felt a, a sharp tap on the top of her head. It was caused by a small silver note case. 63 millimeters by 36.5 millimeters hinged containing a used notepad with 13 sheets left. It was marked with the initials S E C eight T B or J B and Klepea, uh, a Lithuanian seaport. No one claimed claimed it at the police station. So it was returned to Mrs. Connolly. It seems likely it fell only a short distance, but from where if it had dropped from a plane, it would have given her more than a tap. <laughs> yeah. Just sounds like somebody smacked her in the head with it. I, I'm just picturing. Why would you go claim it? Like, I hope she. Re- I really hope she brings it to the local police station so I can get it back after I threw it at her head. Right. <laughs> a notepad. Yeah. Yeah. Like this. This sounds like oh, it could have man. been like a bullies like throwing back and forth like some kids right. notepad and then one just throws it too far. This sounds like a slow news day <laughs> in Quadrant Hall is what it sounds like. That that is also very very possible. Oh, yeah. oh, I like, okay, this terrifies me as a father, but I think this is a really fascinating story. Number 10, I promise this is my last one. Right. You said that two ones ago. Okay. I know. Uh, whirlwind Children. A nine-year-old Chinese girl was playing in uh, Songjiang near Shanghai in July 1992 when she was carried off by a whirlwind and deposited unhurt in a treetop almost two miles away. According to a wire report from May 1986, a freak wind lifted up 13 children in the oasis of Hami in western China and deposited them unharmed in sand dunes and scrub 12 miles away. Sounds like these children need a cheeseburger. Stop letting (laughs) the light breeze take them away. (laughs) Or this is going to be the next thing to hit the United States from China. Stealing children. We don't have to worry too much about the murder hornets anymore, but careful of those kidnapping whirlwinds. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do have all the pissed off wind who keeps taking our children. But they're not harming them. That's what's really yeah. weird. They're just landing gently and safely. Like, but uh, miles imagine that away. though you like land and you're like, you know what? Honestly, that wasn't that bad. Yeah, I mean, that bad. At least it wasn't yeah. the yam candy. That's but I can't even yeah. imagine watching my child just get lifted up, <laughs> just like carried away. Right. Like, oh my goodness! Wow. 
And then she's like, bye, daddy. I must go home. And then disappears into the cloud. My people need me. My people yeah. need me. She would say something like that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, those were our alien stories because apparently tabloids are nonsense. Although if you go to we- if you go to Weekly World News, uh, you'll see the first headline is Bigfoot Missing. Uh, and then this is my favorite. Because before uh, we knew where, where he was, it? for the record. <laughs> well, exactly. I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks, so you got to assume he's missing. And this is another one of my favorites. Atlantis resurfaces, reconsiders, resubmerges. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Ah, no, they got murder points. <laughs> now I'm leaving. Oh, God. Oh, man. I love that. So, resurfaces. yes. Decides that was a bad idea. Resubmerges. <laughs> Why did we choose 2020 to come back up? I don't understand. Oh, gosh. Man. Um, any last thoughts, ideas, concepts, anything on these lists? I got nothing. I got nothing. You got nothing? I mean, a lot of people got, took drugs nothing. in the 70s, so that could explain yeah. some of it. But <sighs> at the same Apparently. time, I like that a lot of these were corroborated by multiple parties. That is true, yeah. Yes. But this yeah. is also back in the 70s <laughs> when... Uh, you know, I mean, if it was like drone technology being tested and things like that, people wouldn't have really known about it, you know? Right. Not saying right. that's not what it was, yes. or that's what it was, yeah. but I'm just saying they're, you know, back then. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, we'll close this up and then we'll do our post show. So thank you so much for watching this episode of Mystery Cast right here on Tales of Earth. Uh, if you want to find Dan, Dan. They can, can find, they find me you? at Dan T. Producer on Twitter and Instagram. And I have returned to Silu91, C-Y-L-O-O-9-1 on Twitch. Awesome. Andy? Uh, you can find me at For I Am The Andy, which is over there uh, <laughs> on Instagram. And that's Sweet. it. <laughs> uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Film Circuit and YouTube at Film Circuit and Instagram at Northward Films. Uh, yes, thank you so much for watching this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share and like and all that good stuff. Uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Guys. Bye.